Bible, let's read the first 10 verses of Galatians. I said in the call to worship this morning that David preached through, uh, through this, the, the first half of this message last week, these seven rules of engagement, as we've called them. Uh, and I'm going to do the last, Dave did the first four, I'm going to do the last three this morning. Uh, but starting in verse 1, which was Dave's text from last week, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one of you test his own work, and then his reason will, to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have, his, will have to bear his own load." One who has taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray and we'll dig into this. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your scripture. I thank you for the words of Paul who have led us to to study who you are. God, I I pray now that you would free us from distraction, free us from the enemy, Lord, that we might move in close to you this morning and hear the truth that you have to speak to our hearts, God. And, And I pray that this would not just be another teaching, Father, but this would be your word exploded into our hearts in such a way that changes our lives, God, that causes repentance, Father. I pray that you would show us where we have erred, Father, and you would show us the sin in our lives and you would give us the courage and strength and opportunity to repent of that in our own hearts and to, to speak words of repentance to the community around us, Father. God, I thank you for this church and what you've done in our lives, God, and pray that you just continue to be with us and, and guide us as we seek your truth this morning. In Christ's perfect name. <clears throat> So recall that this book of Galatians is written to a region of churches throughout an area called Galatians. All of Paul's other epistles, Thessalonians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all that stuff was written to particular churches in particular cities. The book of Galatians was written to a region of churches. Maybe for us it would be the bi-state region, the Missouri, Illinois, that sort of St. Louis metro area. That'd be a, a connection point for us. Paul's first missionary journey, he went into seven different churches throughout this region of Galatia. He preached, he got kicked out of the city, he almost died several times, and then he came back into each one of those cities and appointed elders and gathered people together to start churches in these, in these churches. And then these Judaizers come in and say, what Paul preached to you is only half of the truth. You need to be following the law as well to be a, a a real church, to be a real Christian. And Paul's rebuke of those Judaizers, that there's nothing besides Christ that you have to do to, to live in community with God, 
is the book of Galatians. And so he's used the first four and a half to five chapters to, to address that rebuke. That no, it's by faith alone that you're saved, nothing else, period. And then now he's, he's using these verses in verse 6 to begin to communicate to these Galatian churches what it means to live in community, what it means to, to be a church. And so these first 10 verses are just rules for us. And I, I don't like that word rules because it, in, in a religious context, rules makes you kind of squirm. At least it does me. But these are, are ways for us to connect in intimacy with a holy and perfect God and with each other. You and I were created to live in community with God in a perfect, unimpeded, pure way. And as we remove sin from our lives, as God removes sin from our lives, as God leads us to repentance, as we connect with people that help us to be led to repentance, we experience God in a more pure way. And that's what, that's why the church is here. That's why this church is here. That's why other churches in this community and across this country are here. It's to lead us and guide us in these 10 verses. And, and again, this is Paul talking to churches. Here is the roadmap to true intimacy with, with God and true intimacy with each other. So I, I want us to, to be clear of that as we walk into to these rules of engagement, as we've called them. So I, I want to real quickly go over the, the four rules of engagement that Dave brought to us uh, last week. And I told that story at the beginning about the, the piano and the, the kid and, and watching kids play kickball out his window and all that, because we can get bogged down in the the now of discipline which keeps us from following these disciplines this boy was bogged down in the fact that man i have to i have to practice my piano all i want to do is go play kickball but when he received the vision of where he was going the results of his efforts he was encouraged to dive deeper into his efforts to into these rules of engagement. So I want to put as a big banner over the top of us is the result of following these rules of engagement is a more pure, more intimate, more purposed life with God and life with each other. So last week, number one, the first thing that Dave said, destroying sin is a community project. Destroying sin is a community project comes from Ephesians 6 1. We are reliant upon each other. I'm, we are reliant upon each other to destroy sin. I want to say that again and look you all in the eye when I say it. I'm reliant upon you and you are reliant upon me. Look around this room. We are reliant upon each other to destroy sin. Alone, we're going to rest in who we are and our flesh is going to win. We are reliant upon each other. Destroying sin is a community project. But I want to say, too, that when we are involved in close community in such a way where where we see sin in people's lives and confront that, we can real easily slip into a religious witch hunt of, of sin. Is You know, all I'm consumed with is finding sin in your life. But this is is deeper than that. Let's read verse 1 of of chapter 6 just real quick. Brothers, if anyone of you is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. It's not an aggressive police state witch hunt 
destruction of sin. It is a spirit-led, gentle rebuke of sin, of seeing in somebody's life and moving forward. And, and again, the purpose is a deeper intimacy with God. And it's blocked by present sin in our lives. You and I are reliant on each other to remove sin. Second point, Dave, from last week. Restoration is always the goal of a rebuke. Again, not a witch hunt for sin. It's a gentle, spirit-led conviction of sin and a rebuke. And, and the stated and understood goal of me to you and you to me and, and you to anybody else who you deal with sin about is restoration. Very easily, pride can get in the way. Very easily, uh, we can get conceit can come in our way. I'm better than you, so I'm the one that's going to confront you with sin. It's, we're all nasty, gross sinners trying to work our way to a more pure relationship with God. Restoration is always the goal of a rebuke. Then the third one, and this is the uh, this is one I, w- I want to spend a little bit more time on. The enemy hates restoration. The enemy hates restoration. I want to Here's, here's a truth that you can apply to your life forever. God wants you to be in relationships. Satan wants you to be alone. Understand the truth of that. God designed you to be in relationships with him and with people. Period. Satan wants you to be alone. And lies happen all the time. And we believe those lies that somehow there's some sort of disconnect between me and you or even between me and my spouse. Is, is that when, when Jen and I are, are, are struggling in our marriage and how we're relating to each other, chances are one of us is believing a lie about the other one which is causing us to live life lonely. And it's from the enemy God intends for us to all be in communing relationship. Go back to the garden. Adam and Eve were together and they were naked and unashamed. And the the metaphor there is they were completely vulnerable with each other and completely safe with each other. You can see everything about me, both physically, emotionally, philosophically, mentally, everything. You can see everything about me and I don't care because we have that sort of community That's where God intends us to live. And we can believe lies about each other that paralyzes us from this community-based sin destruction. Second thing, as we understand that we are under attack from the enemy when we are partaking in this, is, is this fact. We have to rely upon Christ. The lies that we're being told are being told by one that is defeated. We have to remember that. And we also have to rely on a Christ-filled community. I trust when, when I come in front of you or you come in front of me or somebody else, we have to trust that I am speaking to somebody who has given themselves to this community, given themselves to this church, given themselves to Christ in a full way. And reception of the rebuke and the restoration goal that we have is going to be good. We're, they're going to receive it well. 
So as we do this, chase away the lies that come into your head and realize that you are not alone. But for us to do this, we have to be in community, we have to be in constant prayer, and we have to be connected with the Spirit of God. Remember up in verse 1, it says, you who are spiritual. And all that means is you who are, who are connected with the Spirit of God. You who are, who are diving into prayer, diving into the Word, diving into study, diving into life together. Those things bring about spiritual things. Again, he just talked in, ver- in chapter 5 about the fruits of the Spirit and the deeds of the flesh. The fruits of the Spirit are the spiritual people. Moving on, number four. Christian communities bear burdens because they are image bearers. One simple phrase I want us to be reminded of here, and this is the, the, the springboard, the, the diving board that dives us into the pool of the next three rules of engagement. This is one simple phrase. Bear one another's burdens. We are called as a body of believers to bear one another's burdens. Live life close. Carry burdens. These are very practical things for us to do. To carry burdens for each other. Pray, talk, engage, serve, meet physical needs in difficult times. This is what it means to carry burdens for each other. <clears throat> we have to be diligent. I, I want to I stop and insert this parenthetically here. If, if we are to bear one another's burdens, we have to first know what the burdens are. I want you to just stop and look around the room and, and visualize an individual. Seriously, you're looking at me. Look around the room. See people. Do you know the burdens that that person you're looking at is carrying right now? Look around the room. Probably some of you know the burdens of two or three people, and maybe some of you know the burdens of five or six people. Maybe some of you don't know the burdens of anybody. Look around the room and visualize those person and think, okay, I know that Kyle is wrestling with this. I know that Jeff is wrestling with this. Do we know those burdens? If we don't, this is me rebuking you. In order for us to bear one another's burdens, we've got to know what the burdens are. I prayed at the beginning that we would see sin in our lives during this message and we would repent of that. Feel free right now to check out of everything that I say if God is rebuking you in this moment. Confess, repent, grab somebody, go to the back. If you don't know the people around you that we're living community with, fail. Be rebuked. We have to be diligent about knowing those in our community, knowing their needs, knowing how we can bear their burden and carry or lessen their burden. And again, this is the overarching theme, bearing burdens of the, the last three points for us to get to this morning. So, that was off from last week. Here's the new. Verses 6 and 7. Let's read those and see how teachers with a, within a community are vitally important. One who has taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for who, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. I laughed with Dave this week. Uh, he was kind of wrestling with the text and whether or not to cover all seven of these and all ten verses last week, and we decided together that it was best to go slow and, and deal with these well instead of going fast. And so I laughed with Dave this week that he left me this one because ultimately what this says is you guys should give to me and Dave. Uh, so, 
But I'm, I'm, I'm going to package it a little bit better than that, I hope. But ultimately, go back to verse 6. One who has taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. I want to, want to say this. This is Paul speaking. And in Ephesians, the, the part that I read, the prayer that I read during the, the call to worship this morning, the, the very next set of verses is Paul teaching the church how to be a church very similar to what he does here in Galatians 6. And he calls teachers God's gift to the church to lead them, to shepherd them, to, to guide them, to direct them, to, to point out sin, to guide them and how to learn to point out sin. To, to, to Ephesians 4.12 says the role of the teacher is to prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ can be built up. That's our role as leaders, as shepherds, as guiders, as teachers in this community. And, and if we are to live in this sort of community that, that Galatians 6 is talking about, the teachers and their role are, is very important. And a lot of, a lot of preachers and, and biblical scholars and teachers land on this verse and, and say, you should give financially to your, your teachers, to your pastors. I don't, I don't see that here in the, the context. There's no mention of money. There's nothing here that says mention of money. What it's saying is be very diligent. Be paying very careful and close attention to the burdens that your teachers are bearing. And then carry that with them. Carry that for them. Carry that alongside of them. And, and I, I want to be very clear about this. Is that, And please... Well, I'm not even going to apologize. I'm going to just teach the word, not apologize for what I'm going to say. Please understand that there is a stress and a burden level for a pastor, a teacher of a congregation that, that most lay people can't comprehend. There are sleepless nights. There are difficulty. There is hardship. There is weight and burdens that we carry all the time. And you really need to be diligent to understand what's happening and walk alongside of us and carry the burdens that you can carry alongside of us with us. It's vitally important for us as we, again, sit at the piano and see the grand vision of the concert hall. We see the grand vision of this pure, intimate relationship with God and with each other. That's the goal. Here's how to get there. Carry one another's burdens. And understand this verse 6 here. Some, some commentaries that Dave and I have both read say that this is really weird to be to put in here because it doesn't make any sense that's hogwash it absolutely makes perfect sense he's talking about carrying burdens in the church and how the church is to interact and and be together and live and it's vitally important for us to come to grips with this understanding that we are to bear one another's burdens and very specifically we're to bear the burdens of of the teachers and and i want to i want to commend this church yesterday uh, at my house, Dave came over and we put in quarter round in our, our, our living room, and it's like complete. Some of, you, some of you guys know this, some of you guys don't. We were in Florida uh, like the week before last, my, my whole family. I went to go visit my parents down there and Disney World, spring training, all that stuff. And while we were gone, like three people were in my living room, which turned into six people in my living room, which turned into 27 people in my living room because of just hurdles that were happening, whatever, to replenish our hardwood floors. And a whole lot of hard work and difficulty later, last night, the work is complete. Hallelujah. And I've, I've seen, yeah, some of you who are, who are in there most of the time are really like, oh my gosh. 
because it's over. It's really great. Well, not quite over yet. We've still got to move everything back in. By the way, what are you doing this afternoon? <laughs> uh, you want to bear a burden with me? <laughs> yeah, I went there. Um, so, whenever I try and get off base, I've got to retract my train of thought, so bear with me a second. Uh, so ultimately, the, the thought is for us to come together, and, and we have experienced, by, by we, Jen and I, have experienced what it means to live in community with people. As we go away for a week, having fun, vacation, there are people working till midnight, one, two in the morning, to, to fix the floor, and we're so grateful for that. And it's a, a beautiful image of bearing burdens. And just before we left, there was some hardship that we were wrestling through as, as a family, hardship that we were wrestling through with, with some extended family and, and all those things. And the, the stress relief that vacation was, was, was compounded by the stress relief that there were people carrying our burdens, fixing our house for us. And it was just North Church people as a result of, of living in, in community. And Dave and I are both very aware of this. There are many times some of you will, will call us up or just come over and say, hey, go out on a date with your wife. Let us watch your kids. Rebecca Klein does that all the time. Hallelujah for Rebecca Klein, bearing our burdens. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see that happen. And, and here's, here's the other thing. Sometimes you are responsible for making other people around you aware of the burdens that you carry. We can't read your mind to know the burdens that you carry and say, hey, look, I really need, I I spend all day at home with my kids and I never get time alone with my husband. Tell somebody. I rebuke you if you haven't told anybody that. We, we, We need to know how we can carry burdens for each other, how we can live life together and, and pursue God together. We want to do this for you. We want to do this for each other. This is what it means to live in community. It's a beautiful thing when it happens. And then let me read verse 7 again because it's sort of the, the transition verse between bearing burdens of teachers and, and the next concept. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. <clears throat> Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. So many times we act like God can't see us or hear us or, or know that we're being selfish with, with who we are. Practically we do that. If, if we were to stop and philosophically think about that, it's, it's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. But we act that way as if God doesn't know that we're taking and taking and taking and never giving what you sow, you will reap. It's verse 8 brings, us, brings to light the, the sixth rule of engagement. Invest in your spiritual community. <clears throat> For whatever one sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I want to talk for a little bit about consumerism within a church. It's nasty. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a British p- preacher from a couple hundred years ago, says this, there is no better way to serve the devil than to join a church and do nothing. Wow. 
There's no better way to serve the devil than to join a church and do nothing. Here's that conviction rebuke part again. I want to ask you a few questions. What are you doing here in this body? How are you serving? How are you using your, your gifts and your skills? What do you do when the service ends? What do you do when the service ends? You know, all this stuff. When we, at, we'll be done here a little after 11, at 11.30, 11.45, this room is, none of this stuff is here. It's all in that closet. What are you doing when the service ends? Watching people pack chairs up or packing chairs up. Watching people tear the screen down or tearing the screen down. <clears throat> Again, I want you to look around the room. Seriously, stop looking at me. Look around the room. Look at people. How many of those people are, are you praying for? How many do you know the intimate concerns of, of more than a few in this room? Do you know what they're struggling with? Do you have conversations about what they're struggling with? How are you carrying their burdens? When was the last time you served in the kids' ministry? We got older kids back here and younger kids back there. When was the last time you served there? That's a deep need of ours. Did you even know that was a deep need of ours? How are you doing with consumerism here at North Church? Are you a consumer? How are you doing in investing in your spiritual community? That's the second part of what I said. Do you know the people around you? Do you, do, you, do you know what to pray for Kai about? Do you know what to pray for her about? Or, or your community group, the people in your community group. Do you know if somebody came to you and said, I need prayer, would you pretty much instantly know, yeah, it's, I know that he's struggling with some, some stuff with his brother and his sister. That's, that's what he's asking for prayer about. How many of you, you know that? Probably some of you aren't even involved in a community group, and we say all the time, if you're not involved in a community group, you're not involved in this church. <clears throat> uh, let's go back up and, and read verse 8 again. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Just want that to be a bomb in your spirit. I said all that stuff about consumerism. I, I, I quoted Spurgeon. Okay, now stop hearing from Rick. Now stop hearing from Spurgeon and hear from a spirit-led Paul. For the one who sows to his own flesh, the one who is a consumer and selfish, will from the flesh reap corruption. When you see the word corruption in Scripture, understand that word is not talking about... When I think of corruption in this context, I think of, of, of 2011 context, I think of politics. Politics are corrupt. This word, a biblical context of corruption, is a dying flesh, a dying body. It's hell. It's the absence of God. When we act like consumers in a church... When we operate and don't bear one another's burdens, when we operate from a fleshly perspective, what can I get for me? 
we welcome corruption. Not a political 2011 context of corruption, but absence of God, presence of Satan, death, corruption. Man, let that blow your brain up. That's huge. Let that change the way you act as you serve in this community. Let that change the way you act as you engage and connect in your community group, as you engage and connect with prayer for each other, as you engage and connect with how you serve in this place. Man, I pray that we would all repent of where we are consumers because verse 8 doesn't end there. There's a comma. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Duh! We act like this isn't true. We act like it's not true that when we sow from our flesh, we invite corruption, and we sow from the Spirit, we reap the benefits and the joy and the bounty of God. Let that just sit on you for a while. Verse, the seventh and final point. This one's going to be quick. Giving up on your community is choosing to die. Don't quit. And let us not grow weary for doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. Back up to verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. I want you to understand that destroying sin, bringing restoration, doing battle with the enemy, bearing one another's burdens, investing in your community, all these things are hard. Bring difficulty, bring stress, bring pressure, physical pressure like on your shoulders. But understand the benefit that is to come. Don't be distracted by the, by the sound of children playing kickball outside your window. Be distracted by beautiful, abiding, communing relationship and joy that is promised by a promise-keeping God. Then in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Understand that this is God's plan for you and God's plan for me and God's plan for us as a church. To live and to pursue God and have a more intimate relationship with Him. A deeper, more abiding, more unshakable joy. Here is the path. Here are your instructions. Here is your guide. May these truths resound deep in your soul. And may they bring conviction and may they bring great encouragement to your heart. Let's pray and we'll give you a chance to respond. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for these people who have walked through this with me and that the difficult words that are here and the beautiful words that are here, God. 
Lord, guide us now as we enter our time of response, Father. I pray for wisdom. I pray for strength and courage. I pray for repentance to happen. God, I pray you would give courage to those who who need it to rise and ask you directly or or ask you through people to to learn to repent of, of things you've laid on their hearts this morning, God. Guide us now as we walk in this time of response. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his absolute perfect name that I pray. Amen.